The two different texts we heard this morning both speak to vocation and calling. And I don't know if you noticed it or not, the choir just sang, Here I Am, Lord, picking up on that call of Isaiah. Sometimes we even plan things around here. (laughs) If you compare Isaiah to most other prophets in the Hebrew Bible, you will find that his response is not typical. There's a pattern in these call narratives that goes something like this. God appears or speaks like from the burning bush to Moses. Then God issues the call like, go see Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And then the person receiving the call, their response is, who, me? You must be mistaken. I could never do that. Moses starts off by saying he's a poor choice for this job because he stutters. And he comes up with all these excuses and God won't have anything to do with it. And in the end, Moses finally pleads, please send someone else. That's the typical call narrative in the Hebrew Bible in which this call comes from on high, from this mysterious unseen source with what I imagine is a big and booming voice, right? It's not a little quiet request. If you're not busy, could you go and... Is it any wonder that people are reluctant to say yes to these calls? And Isaiah is the rare, almost perky, I imagine the other prophets being annoyed exception. Here I am, send me. And then we heard Parker Palmer in his little book called Let Your Life Speak, talking about how, though he loved growing up Quaker and appreciates that tradition, he wasn't well served by what it taught him about vocation and calling. This idea that the call comes from out there, somewhere external to ourselves, asks us, he says, to become someone we are not yet, someone different, someone better, someone just beyond our reach. If you think about these portrayals of prophets of old, don't they seem kind of like superheroes? People set apart, given an almost impossible mission, tasked with something that most humans aren't going to be capable of. So how are we ordinary folks supposed to follow their example? I wonder if any of you grew up being taught to emulate larger-than-life figures. Superheroes, maybe, or great leaders or famous people. When I was a boy, I loved to read these little biographies of famous people. And I assumed, I didn't think about it, I just assumed that I was supposed to grow up 
and be like them. And if I did, maybe even someday somebody would write one of those little books about me. Hmm. One way these heroic narratives are valuable is that they articulate values and virtues that we would do well to base our lives upon. Virtues that often seem missing and forgotten these days. But that seems like a different sermon. So I want to stay with Parker Palmer for now and what he learned often the hard way about following the call. Not someone else's call, but the call that is your own. Not someone else's idea of what you ought to be doing with your life, but what you hear from inside. We just heard him say that now he understands vocation, not as a goal to be achieved, but as a gift to be received. Not scrambling towards some prize just beyond, by, beyond my reach, but accepting the treasure of my true self. Vocation does not come from a voice out there calling me to become something I am not. It comes from a voice in here calling me to be the person I was born to be, to fulfill the original selfhood given to me at birth by God. It's natural for us to ask one another in conversation, what are you going to do now that you've graduated or now that you've grown up, or now that you've retired. I wonder, would it make a difference if we changed our perspective from out there to in here? If we changed from asking about doing to asking more about being? If we took the risk to say, tell me who you really are. Tell me who deep down you long to be. If you feel a yearning to do this soul-searching work but don't know where to start, I do recommend this little book by Parker Palmer. And I have several copies if you'd like to borrow one. He says the deepest vocational question is not what, I, what ought I to do with my life, but who am I? What is my nature? But you know, don't you, that this is not a quick and easy answer. It's one you need to wonder about and live into, and if you do, you gradually understand in deeper ways who you are and what your particular nature is. And that's how you hear the calling that is your own by listening to these little nudges and stirrings that it could be easy to dismiss. Last Sunday, I talked about the importance of being receptive, making time and space to hear that voice that you could miss if you're moving too fast or listening to too much noise. There are a number of stories in the Hebrew Bible in which God calls out to someone by name. And the usual response back is the Hebrew word hineni, which means 
here I am. That's the word that Isaiah says and that Moses says and that Abraham says when they hear the Creator calling to them. They say, Hineni, here I am. One notable exception is the story in Genesis about the Garden of Eden. After Adam has eaten the apple, God calls out, where are you? And Adam, knowing that he's in trouble, doesn't say Hineni. He doesn't say anything. He hides for a while, and then he makes a lame excuse, and then he goes one worse, and he blames the woman for what he did. You see, it goes way back. (laughs) When someone or something calls to us, do we answer? Do we turn away? Do we pretend that we didn't even hear them calling at all? It probably depends on who's calling. Who among us doesn't scream their calls now, right? It depends probably on what we think they're going to ask of us. There does seem to be something in us that resists a call, especially if it asks us to try something new or to take a risk or a leap of faith, even a leap of faith in ourselves, right? I know there are times when an opportunity presented itself that I have been less than courageous. When I could have stood up or spoken out against something that was wrong or unjust, and I chose to keep silent and to keep the peace rather than speak that harder truth. And of course, there are times when keeping silent can be a matter of survival. So if you've ever chosen to be silent because you were not ready to speak or because you were not sure it was safe to speak, Please don't hear my words with any kind of judgment or let them cause you any pain or shame, okay? Isn't it up to to those of us who have some amount of power because of our particular identities? Aren't we compelled to use the voices and the power we, we do have for good, to be allies and friends to those who need our support? I'm thinking particularly of what's unfolded in our country over the last week, of what Professor Christine Blasey Ford did when she allowed her identity to be revealed and made public her allegations of sexual assault against Judge Brett Kavanaugh. As much as she wanted to keep it quiet, As much as she was concerned for her life and her family and her privacy, she effectively found herself saying, here I am. Isn't that what so many women and some men too have done over this last year 
as the Me Too movement has emerged. Stepping out of the shadows, taking the risk of naming what had previously been unsafe to say. Reflecting on this, a woman I know from seminary, now an Episcopal priest, she wrote this on Friday. Victim blaming is nothing new. It's the first tool used by those with power to try and keep their victims silent. But the world is changing. We're finding our voices and we're using them, even when we know it will tear our lives apart. And if that scares you, good. People who have been marginalized and silenced are finding their voices and using them, and this scares people, particularly those who think our current existing systems of oppression are just normal and the way life should be. We are living in a more risky time for the truth-tellers and for those who mean well and want to do good and are afraid of saying the wrong thing, and yes, for those who have benefited and have been oppressive. It's a risky time, and it's good that things are changing. Sometimes a calling comes so quietly that you have to listen carefully to hear it. And you have time to ponder your calling and discern your response. And sometimes a calling comes crashing into our lives and we have to decide in that moment how we are going to respond, if we are going to respond. And you know answering this kind of call feels like a risk. Sometimes the way ahead seems uncertain and unclear, and still the way calls to us. Some risks are worth taking, yes? Parker Palmer knows something about this. He writes, vocation at its deepest level is not, oh boy, do I want to go to this strange place where I have to learn a new way to live and where no one, including me, understands what I'm doing. No, he says, vocation at its deepest level is, this is something I can't not do. For reasons I'm unable to explain to anyone else and don't fully understand myself, but that are nonetheless compelling. The promise is that when we take these leaps of faith, we are not alone. That we will have companions and guides on the way. As we practice being present to our deeper selves and to these invitations, as we practice saying, here I am, we will find ourselves on solid ground even as we take risks and try new things. Most scholars believe that the later chapters of the book of Isaiah were written by a different author speaking from a different context. 
And they call this author Second Isaiah. And he makes the hopeful, or it could have been she, that they make the hopeful assertion that the call and response between God and humans, where are you? Here I am. They make the assertion that this is not a one-way street. The prophet says that if we live good and faithful lives, if we do our part to love and serve one another, that when we are in need or in trouble, God will be there for us. Here's the passage from Isaiah. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and the Holy One will say, Here I am. When you wonder, am I all alone in this? When you call out in the night, where are you? Out of the depths will come this reply. Here I am. There is power and liberation in hearing the call that is your own and in taking up that vocation. As much as I can't explain it, as much as it might scare me, this is something I can't not do. This is who I can't not be. And when you are on that perilous way, my friends, and things get hard or trying or scary, and you call out for help, it is my faith and it is my prayer that you will hear that response when you cry out, where are you? you will hear loud and clear, here I am, now and forever. Amen.